morning, Thrive Church. Uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks for being with us on Sundays. Uh, this whole COVID-19 and being in, in a lockdown has been uh, a challenge for everybody. And I know everybody's kind of going to stir crazy, but it just struck me that um, we have such a faithful con- congregation and I'm so grateful that you choose to spend your Sunday morning with us, uh, digitally speaking. And it's so much fun to watch the comments that you all make to each other um, at the beginning of service and during service too. So thanks for, for doing that and for being here. We're, we're honored that you chose to do that with us today. Um, continuing on in the series uh, that I started last week, and I was with a group of pastors, um, well, not too long ago, and in the, the course of the conversation, we started talking about discipleship. And Jesus gave us this great commission to go and make disciples. And we were talking about what that means and how that translates to different churches and, and, and how we help people, you know, find and follow Jesus ultimately. In, in the course of the discussion, somebody made uh, a statement uh, where they said, we have to help people find their identity in Christ their identity in Christ. Now, that's a phrase that I've heard a number of times, um, and it seems to, to have popularity at certain points. Uh, it was certainly popular about uh, 20, 25 years ago, and um, I've, I've heard it off and on, you know, since then. Um, and, and, I, and I understand it, that, that, that people need to un- understand who they are when they follow Jesus. And it, it's true. We have an identity in Christ. We identify with Christ. Um, it's, it's not that we identify necessarily with a political party, although we might, but we're identifying with Christ instead. It's not that we're identifying with uh, even a nation or a nationality. We identify with, with Christ. Of course, we want to live in peace and, and we want to pray for our leaders and we want to vote our conscience. We want to participate in the process. But ultimately, when we choose to follow Jesus, what we're saying is our allegiance is to Jesus first, and everything else is secondary. That's what it means to follow Christ and to have uh, your identity in him or to identify with him. Um, We even use this term Christian, which means little Christ. We wear that name, and so again, we're identifying with him, identifying with Christ by, by, by doing that. And I've been thinking about this um, for a little while. And, and while all of that is true, that it's this and not that, what, what does it really mean to have your identity in Christ? So let's talk about identity first. Because normally speaking, um, we identify ourselves in a number of general ways, but, but more specifically, we identify with three main things. Uh, at least suburban Americans do this. First thing is that we identify um, by what we do, the job that we have, the occupation that we're engaged in. And you think about it, when you go and meet somebody for the first time, um, you ask them, so what do you do? Uh, that's a very common phrase, and so we identify ourselves with what we do. We also identify ourselves with what we own. And um, it's not, you know, necessarily that I've, I've got a particular collection of paintings, well, that might be the case, or I drive a particular car, although that might be the case. Most often, 
um, we identify with our zip code or our street address. I live in such and such a subdivision. And so we identify ourselves by what we do, or the city that we're in, for instance. Um, I was talking with somebody about this not, not, not too long ago, but when I'm talking with someone in Kentucky uh, who's from that, uh, that state, I will often tell them what county I'm from or what county I lived in while, while we lived there. You know, we lived in Jesmond County. And uh, for whatever reason, the culture of that particular state is that it was not necessarily the city you were from, but what county you were from. Fascinating. Same is true often with um, uh, Louisiana and what parish you're from uh, rather than, than what city, <coughs> unless it's one of the big ones. But again, we identify with what we own, where, where we actually live, our zip code or, or our street address. And then we also identify ourselves with who we know. Um, you know, I, I'm meeting somebody for the first time and we realize that we have uh, a mutual acquaintance. And so consequently, um, we identify with who we know. Oh, you're, you're, you're Phil's cousin or, you know, you're, you're um, Bob's employee or however it happens to be. But you understand this. But we identify ourselves primarily those three things. <clears throat> but at, at the minimum, when we talk about identifying ourselves in Christ, what we're suggesting is that something's different. That, yes, I have all of these other things that I identify with, but there's something different. I used to be this, but now I identify um, with Christ. My source has ultimately changed, if that makes some sense. And, and this is probably what the New Testament writer Paul had in mind uh, in one of his letters to uh, a church that, that he helped found. And, and here it is. I want you to see this. He writes to the, the Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Okay? Christ makes the difference. That was the way I used to be. That's the old, but now there's something new. There's a new new creation. Um, and it all happens in Christ. When you choose to follow him, you are now in Christ. In Christ, And he says it's a new relationship with God and it's a new relationship with others. It's a new perspective on life. It's a whole brand new creation. And Paul threads this idea um, about newness throughout almost all of his letters. So let me give you a couple of examples so that you can see this. In Galatians, it's a little more subtle, but it's still here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's old. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Very clearly, this idea of old and something new. That's the way I used to be, but because of Christ, this is how I am now. And it happens with Christ in me, of course, through his Holy Spirit. Colossians, uh, the letter to the church, um, he writes, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So there's, again, the old self and the new self. Something is different here. The identity has changed. 
We see it in, in the book of Ephesians. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, that's the old one, to put off your old self, there it is again, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So not only do we have the, the idea of old and new here, but it often uh, even tells us what the, what the new looks like. It includes to be like God, which is righteous and holy. Um, you can put off the old self. Did you know that? <laughs> you can put on the new self. And so we see this threaded throughout all of these letters that Paul wrote, where he really sees that this identity we have changes very dramatically. And I've said this before, and I think it's worth repeating, that Jesus did not come to make you better. He came to make you new, completely different. That's an identity change. We now have an identity in Christ that is completely different. It's brand new compared to what, what we had before. And I think that this newness seems to be kind of ongoing. It's not necessarily a one-and-done sort of thing. Um, my thinking and my acting becomes different, <clears throat> uh, and I'm made new over time. Um, I've had multiple conversations uh, just in recent weeks, uh, given some of the events of, of, uh, of the last uh, couple weeks related to race and, and whatnot. And I think, at least I hope, that people in general are beginning to grow up in their thinking. That we're, n we're not seeing um, this kind of simplistic black and white problem, but there are systemic racial problems in this country, and we need to think about and act about them differently. Um, so this isn't necessarily new. This is a concept that even Paul was talking about, that there is growth, there is improve, improvement, but ultimately it's newness that we're made, we're made new, and it usually happens over time. As I grow, as I learn more about what God has in mind for me, then I'm going to act differently. But it's not to make us better. It's to make us new. And that becomes an identity issue. Again, Paul writes in Romans, um, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So there's this pattern um, of this world that we're used to. We're just embedded in that culture. We're embedded in that way of thinking. And what Paul is saying is here, don't do that. Be transformed. Be made new, really your identity changes by the renewing of your mind. Oh, and there's a benefit to this, by the way. Once you have a renewed mind, then you're able to test and approve what God's will is. Now, I think this is important. When we talk about this idea of test and approve, I think that can be a little bit confusing. Um, so the term here actually, I, I think, is better translated as we are able to discern what God's will is. We're able to look at a set of circumstances and say that is God's will or that is not God's will. We're able to do that with the renewing of our mind. And there's a, a concept that we, we often see happening in, um, in the biographies of Jesus when he is uh, having a discussion with religious leaders. There's a certain amount of spiritual blindness because they're conformed to the pattern of this world. And 
ultimately what Jesus is after is to get them to open their eyes, to no longer be blinded by these things. Um, constantly is doing this. And with a re- with a, without a renewed mind, it's really hard to see um, where, where God is or where he's working or even let alone what his will might be in those set of circumstances. And the illustration of, of these religious leaders um, is quite profound. They should know better, and yet they don't. And so there is the spiritual blindness to it. So don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed, be new, find a new identity, and then you're going to be able to discern what God's will is. So we know um, that we have a new identity in Christ. We know it is new. It's not just improved. But I think there's a, there's a, a deep question here, and one that we need to wrestle with as we're dealing with this thing called identity. And it's, it's this. What actually changes? What is it that actually changes when, when we have a shift in our identity? I mean, we can talk about this in theory, but what is it that really is, is different? Um, it's not that you're, you're doing something different as an occupation. Um, you didn't change ownership of something. Um, and you, you don't, I mean, I, it's not like you know a new person, although, you know, you do, you do know Jesus. But what actually is different? If, if we're going to identify ourselves, what actually is different when, we're, when our identity is in Christ? Well, I came across uh, something uh, not too long ago. Um, maybe it's a little kind of on the pop psychology side of things, but I found it really useful as I was thinking about this, identi- this issue of identity. And, and so let me, let me graphically um, put this out for you. And, and here it is. Your identity is made up essentially of your beliefs and your values. Those are the two components of identity. The things that you believe and the things that you value most go into your identity which is why we often identify ourselves with who we, who we know, what we own, and uh, uh, what we actually do for a living, because we value those things, and we believe other people value those things, and so we identify with them, ultimately. And that identity is then expressed very specifically in our attitudes and in our behavior. So, you know, if you believe that it's a dog-eat-dog world and you're wearing milk-bone underwear, guess what? You are going to uh, have a negative attitude about things and you're going to behave in a way that protects yourself from everybody else around you. So your identity is your beliefs and your values, and we see those in attitude and behavior. Our identity uh, changes when we begin to follow Jesus precisely because Jesus changed our beliefs in the sense that we believe that Jesus is real, that he died for us, that he was resurrected, and that he lives in us um, by his Holy Spirit. That changes a belief that we have. But it also changes the things that we value. We value his kingdom. We value that his will reason why in the Lord's Prayer we see, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Yeah, 
we are valuing the kingdom of God now where we didn't necessarily before. We value love. That's the currency of the kingdom. How are we going to love other people around us? We value human life. Um, regardless of sex or skin color or ethnicity or any of those things, that we ultimately value those things. And so if you think about it, our identity changes because our beliefs and our values are different. And I think we need to keep um, that in mind. See, the problem occurs um, when many of us, myself included, miss Paul's idea of, of renewing our minds. And I think that's, that's a very real thing. Renewing our minds um, because the, all of us, at some level, we carry some baggage with us, don't we? We carry certain beliefs, certain values that aren't yet made new and they're not serving us. And usually those beliefs are fraudulent or faulty about ourselves. We have beliefs about ourselves. You have some beliefs about yourself that are probably faulty. And they're so incredibly subtle. Um, there's this thing called self-talk. We all have it. We all talk to ourselves. And that conversation is going on in the background of our minds um, all the time. We don't even hear it anymore. That's how subtle it is. But we all have it. And we all um, have these lies that we repeat to ourselves. And I'll be honest with you, I think the devil uses that to keep us out of the fight. He found a game plan that works with human beings and he sticks to it. And so this constant background conversation that we have is usually one of these faulty or fraudulent beliefs, almost always. And it usually goes something like this. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not productive enough. And you don't even hear yourself saying those things to yourself, but ultimately the message is you're not enough, that there's something inherently wrong with you. It's this constant playback in the, in the background, and we don't hear it, but here's where we do hear it, and it will come up. It's when God asks us to be more, asks us to do something different, asks us to get out of our comfort zone, and then all of a sudden, that baggage comes roaring back to life. Well, I can't do that. Uh, I'm not the kind of person who, or I'm afraid to do that because inside you're saying, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm, and I've heard this over and over again. It almost always comes back to this faulty belief about ourselves. We believe these lies that somehow we're not enough. The series that we're in, Um, I want to challenge and change some of those beliefs. In fact, I would love to to get rid of all of the faulty beliefs and replace them with something something far better. And it starts with renewing your mind. Um, Because we've 
we've listened to the playback so long, we believe those lies. And so we need to replace those lies with some, some truth. And we renew our minds so that you can be new and be all that God has in mind for you to actually be. And, and it's got nothing to do um, with anything other than God's love. God loves you ridiculously, lavishly. It has nothing to do with what you do or what you own or who you know. It has nothing to do with any of that. It literally has to do with the loving gift that God has for each one of us. God loves you on such an extravagant scale. And, and I, I've said this before, but there's nothing you can do to make you, or make, uh, that you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. And he's certainly not going to love you less because he loves you perfectly. And I know that's hard to hear sometimes. Or what we'll do is we'll hear that in our head, but we don't necessarily get this part down to our heart. And that's really the identity issue because you, you want to believe it here and, it, and you just don't. You don't believe it. You don't value it. And I know that because of attitudes and actions. And so really, we need to challenge those fundamental beliefs that we have about ourselves and and truly begin to believe what God says about us. And that's what we're going to attempt to to do in this this whole series. And and see, when when you're following Jesus and you really begin to understand the radical love that he has for you, you begin to understand that you are accepted for who you are. Now, that doesn't mean you're already perfect. That doesn't mean that you've got everything sorted out, but it does mean that God sees you where you're at, understands where you're at, and loves you right in that place. He's going to start with where you are. You don't have to be perfect yet. In fact, I'm not sure you can be perfect. But that's what God does as he comes in and he begins to help us make the changes that we need to make. But it starts with acceptance. And by the way, you're not just accepted by him, you're also secure God does love you perfectly. And you can rest in that. You can be assured that he loves you and will continue to love you. And finally, and I think this is the one that we often miss, is that not only you accepted and secure, but you're also significant. God didn't just make you to make you. He has something in mind. He has something he that he's gifted and graced you to do, gifted and graced you to actually be. And that is a significant thing. You are designed for some type of kingdom impact. It is your destiny. And so that's part of your identity too, is that you are, you are identified with significance. You know, you're not just something that's set up on the shelf to look nice. Rather, God has made you with a purpose in mind, with a destiny for yourself, and He's given you everything that you need to be a significant part of the kingdom. You know, that's ultimately what your identity is. And, and again, I know that for some of you, this is going to be hard to hear um, because you don't necessarily believe it, but that's okay. We're going to go through this series and we're going to talk about what it means to be accepted right where you are and what what God says about you that you're accepted and that you know you don't have to worry about losing your faith (laughs) 
that you can be assured that you are his child. And then we're going to talk about significance because I don't think any person who is part of the body of Christ is insignificant. We need each other to be the church, to, to be this outpost of the kingdom that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can be different, that there's a new way to be human, that it is rooted in your love for us. And I pray right now that every person who's listening would sense your presence and they would begin to have a glimpse of how much you really love them. The creator and the sustainer of the universe created and sustains them in the same way you've done everything else. And that makes us truly um, accepted, secured, and significant. God, would you speak to each one of us in a way that we would understand and as we go through the series, we would begin to see the faulty beliefs that we have and begin to hear the truth that you want to replace uh, in our hearts and in that background that we, we play, play back to ourselves over and over again. Thank you, God, for, for loving us and giving us each other to love. In Jesus' name.